We're digging in the book oh, of Ephesians. We are digging deep. I love it. Ephesians chapter 1. We're in Paul's writings, yep. a letter he wrote to Ephesians, and there is just beautiful so good news here. So much richness. So we're going to start back in verse 9. We were talking about this just at the end of the last episode. We're talking about how there's a mystery involved here. What's the mystery? The mystery of his will. Paul talked about redemption and the forgiveness of sin and the grace that he pours on us. And then right here, verse 9, he made known to us the mystery of his will. Mystery comes up a few times in this book. I'm just wondering, why is it a mystery? There's a couple other places in Paul's writings, like Colossians 1.27, that talk about the mystery. What is the mystery? The mystery is how... But maybe even bigger, why would God go to such lengths to save us? If you went and got a dog at the dog pound and you brought it home and it bit you three times, what would you do? Would you continue to keep trying to feed and coax that dog back into being a nice little pooch? Or would you, like, you're headed back to the pound, puppy. What would you do? Toss a sausage in traffic? (laughs) Why would God worry about us? Just... Torch the world and start over. What you're asking is about the character of God. Mm. Why would God go to such extent to save a human? Well, it's love. Love is the basis of everything. Honestly, it's got to be some kind of love. Oh, we don't get it. See, this is the mystery. And this is what Paul is over the top with. He's like, having made known to us the mystery of his will. According to his good pleasure, which he proposed in himself. Can you explain to me why God would save us? Or how God saves us? How does he get the sin off us? How does love work the transformational magic? I can't explain the mystery. I understand the specifics. I sure I'm glad about the mystery. All right, verse 10. As a plan for the right time to bring together in Christ both things in heaven and things on earth in him. Uh, So here's in him again, number six. See how it is? Everything is set right by By being in Christ. In Christ. Well, isn't that the mystery where you were talking about Colossians 127? It says the mystery of Christ in us, the hope of glory. How can we be saved? That's the question. How can we be saved? Christ in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Ephesians is in Christ. Right. Colossians is Christ Christ in in you. you. Isn't that interesting? That's something. In Christ, Christ in you. Jesus, he's on his way to the Garden of Gethsemane where he will get arrested. This is the Mm -hmm. night of his arrest. Mm -hmm. He's talking to his disciples. And in John 15, he tells them, I'm the true vine. You are the branches. branches. He talks to them about being in him. Right. Abide. Abide in me and I in you. And then he goes on and he talks about being one with the Father and how Jesus is one with us. Mm. And he wants us to be one with each other. See, Jesus is all about bringing us all together together. into unity, Unity. into oneness. Uniformity. Not uniformity. We collect around Jesus with all of our different individualities. Right. Jesus is who unites us. Right, because I think of a bouquet of flowers, Mm -hmm. the more color you want green in there, you want orange in there, if you have some red and yellow, that makes a unified bouquet Mm -hmm. and each of the parts is different. I like that. Let's look at verse 10. That he might gather together in one, there's that oneness, unity, all things. So Jesus didn't just save humans. 
Jesus has redeemed the universe. If Jesus hadn't proven God to be who God really is, then all the universe would be in jeopardy. Mm -hmm. But because of what Jesus did, how he suffered, bled, died, and was resurrected, he declared victory over Satan. Satan was vanquished. And bit by bit, he is vanquished from the entire universe. Hmm. That he might gather together in one all things in Christ, hmm. both which are in heaven and on earth. Hmm. So what in heaven needs to be gathered into one? Them. What things on earth need to be gathered into one? Well, everything. <laughs> For everything. all a disaster. Yeah. Definitely the earth itself, but right. the people, right? Right. But doesn't that make you wonder what is in heaven that needs the redemption of Jesus Christ? In your Bible, you could go to Revelation chapter 12 and read about war in heaven. There's this big war between uh, God and Satan. Where was it? In heaven. In heaven. And during that war, who knows what things, processes, decisions took place? The war between Satan and God had casualties in heaven. The Bible says there in chapter 12 of Revelation that one third of the angels were thrown to the earth because of what Satan was doing. So you have to ask the question, in heaven there would have been angels that stayed true to God with no flex. They stayed needle to the poles, right, true right, to God. Right. There would have been angels that sided with Satan. Right, one third of them, right. I wonder if there were angels that were indecisive or perhaps sided with one side and sided with the other and then when the war came to a head they decided to join the side that they joined there are perhaps angels that need grace like humans when i read this verse and it says that god is going to include heaven in the cleanup and that the blood of christ is going to purify and cleanse even heaven, and bring everything into one. Huh. This death of Jesus kind of is about things much bigger than just a few humans on planet Earth. The very future of eternity hinges on the success of Jesus on the cross. Okay. Jesus is successful, eternity is pure, and can go on. But if something was to happen where Jesus was unsuccessful, then all of the universe would have been in danger of being tarnished by sin. The odds were huge. Verse 11. In him also we have obtained an inheritance. Not only are we going to get to live past the end of the world, we're going to get an inheritance. Right. What kind of inheritance do we deserve? <laughs> we don't deserve any inheritance because we disowned our father. What kind of inheritance will we be getting? We'll be getting the inheritance as co-heirs with Christ. Now here we come to another section that uses the word predestined. And lots of times people will take this out of context. We're at the place where he's talking about the group that are in Christ. Okay. And that the group that is in Christ will be predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. It's real simple. God set up the system so that anyone who's in him gets some serious reward. He didn't predestine people by name. He predestined them by choice. 
it's not a selective event where it selects one person over another. It is a, you've chosen Jesus, here's your inheritance. You've chosen Jesus, you're in Jesus, here's your inheritance. The inheritance isn't based on your personality or how bad of a sinner you were or what you did or that God picked you out of a lineup before you were born or thinks you look nice. It's based on, did you or did you not sequester your life in Christ? Yeah. Are you or are you not in Christ? We have both these things that are absolutely clear. God makes up the criteria. It's not by selection, but by criteria. God doesn't Mm -hmm. choose you and select you based on some predetermined thing. It's criteria. Have you been covered by the blood of Christ? The plan was set in, in motion before the foundation of the world, that everyone would be saved. Everyone is predestined. We choose whether we want to be that way or not. I'm just telling you that God, when he thought of making humans, he didn't just willy-nilly throw some clay together and make humans. God thought things through, and then he put a safety plan in so that if we needed salvation, it was already in place. 